and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, how are you this morning? Oh, so good, Lyle. I'll so good. I'll tell you what I'm grateful for. Yes. I ate haystacks last night. Yes. For the first time in months. Because, what is wrong with you? Because you only eat First haystacks time in months? with people. This is true. You don't eat haystacks by yourself. And because you don't. We, we haven't. Well, you can eat haystacks by I yourself. Never eat, I've never eaten haystacks by myself. I don't eat haystacks by myself. It's a community experience, you know. Yes. But, Lyle, you don't eat haystacks by yourself because you don't cook. So Yes. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and just, haystacks requires cooking. Well, very minimal cooking. Yeah, it's I like, know you've got to put chips on a plate. And you've got to put beans on top of it. That counts as cooking. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> Just too much. That's just powerful. Well, yeah, dude. I uh, we you know a group of us had well, it was like three of us were like, what are we gonna eat for dinner? It's like let's make haystacks. I haven't eaten in, in a month. Had haystacks last night. It was the bomb. It was like it was good too because it was a small group of us. I could dictate. You know, okay, what, what's gonna go on this haystack? And we had small group last night as well. Oh, really? But we didn't have food. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. What kind of small group doesn't have food? Zoom small group. Oh, that, yeah, that's right. That's why I hadn't eaten haystacks in months. But finally, I could spend time with people in person. And yeah, we. But the other day, I did hang out with a couple of members haystacks. from my small group, and we had haystacks. Really? Yes. Oh, it was like what, last week. I think it was last it's week. The best. Week before, I lose track. I am like, like I actually feel healed in my soul. Like ever since this experience. Like, I feel, like, so uplifted and healthy. Because when you eat haystacks, too, like... You just feel like a better person because you, of so much healthy food. It's healthy, you can it's put tasty. unhealthy things on it. Yeah. yeah. But, like, for me, probably as unhealthy as it gets on my hay- haystacks is I put a ton of salsa on the top. It works like a haystack blanket. Salsa's not unhealthy. Yeah, and it's not, but it's probably... Salsa's it's like got tomatoes in it. Salty. Tomatoes are good for you. Yeah, but they put a ton of salt and sugar in it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, so the other thing that makes uh, Lawson and my life absolutely amazing is the fact that we get to talk about positively different news. Uh And when you get to talk about positively different news, it gives you a positive outlook on life. Mm. You know, one of the things that disturbs me about, you know, this time of the year when you've got Halloween and so forth is the emphasis on negativity. You know, you see Mm. skulls and all that kind of, you know, death kind of stuff all over the place. And there's a certain culture within society that really celebrates death and focuses on negativity. Mm. We have way too much negativity in our world we have way too much negativity in the media and you and i have the privilege of being able to come in and be intentionally thankful followed by being intentionally positive so let's be intentionally positive let's be intentionally positive and i'm actually going to start with not a news story but something that happened to me yesterday i want to tell you guys a, a lawson story ah here we go so ch- check this out this is pretty this is pretty awesome so yesterday i was working at the food pharmacy yes uh down the road you know a an amazing cafe plant Which is based what, 52 restaurant. ada street level one unit one um no no i don't think so maybe it is did I, you did you look up the address i think that's what it is yeah, it might be it, it's on the ground level though why, why, yes, that's why, why I said level one, unit one, 52 Ada Street, level one, unit okay, one. Okay, well, that's what it is. It's at the. It's also at the Atune Health Centre. 
So you can just write that into your Google Maps and you'll find it. So I was there yesterday and I was standing at the counter in the afternoon and uh, there was a guy standing in front of me. His name is Russell. He's he's a friend of mine. We were chatting because he works in the building. And then another guy comes into the room um, and he's you know, knows Russell as well. I don't know this guy. And this guy, he turns out his name is Kelvin. And so Kelvin comes into the room and Kelvin says to Russell, well, Russell says to Kelvin, oh, good to see you, man. You know, coming to check out the food pharmacy. And Kelvin says to Russell, yeah, Lawson from Faith FM said, like, I should come and check it out because, you know, he's been working here and it's been really good. And I'm literally standing right in front of this person. <laughs> they had no idea and that you were Lawson I'm from Lawson, Faith and, and Russell says, that's Lawson from Faith FM. And the guy's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, my name's Lawson. <laughs> and, and then it, that turned into just this amazing chat with this guy, Kelvin. And we were talking about, you know, the station and, you know, what he loved about the station. And he was like, man, you guys just really get into the Bible. And I appreciate your opinion so much and all the people that you bring on. To I, talk hope that, about. I hope he doesn't appreciate our opinions. I hope he appreciates the word of God. That, that's right. It's yes. like, buddy, he appreciates us talking about the word of God and, and, sure. and bringing up the word of God. And he appreciates the guests that we have to come on to also support the word of God and give powerful testimonies and all that kind of thing. Um, and then he started telling me his story. I'm like, oh, yeah. So, you know, what do you do with yourself? He's like, oh, at the moment, I'm a biomedical engineer. I was like, okay, that's a pretty legit job. <laughs> but then he's like, but up until 2018, I spent 14 years. No, I think it was up until 2016. Anyways, from 1998, um, he spent, I think it was 1998 to 2018. So almost 20 years. A bunch years, of years. Anyway, a bunch of years. He spent that amount of time in Africa traveling a 14,000 kilometer loop going from Adventist hospital to Adventist hospital fixing things. And like so just a general fix it guy, the fix it guy, but for the hospital specifically, handyman with an in- uh, by biomedical, yeah, but like, engineering but not, you know, not degree. just fixing the taps, like he's a biomedical engineer, he currently works for a hospital, so also fixing, so the, he fixes the like the, the equipment in the hospital, super and crazy, ridiculous machine that's to have right. inside of a hospital, that's right. And he was telling me his loop, like he goes, you know, through Zambia and Malawi and Ethiopia, and he's like, You guys have been to Ethiopia, I'm like, Yeah, and we'll just talking about it and it was just the best interaction i was like i I was joking around afterwards i'm like i've made it you know like people know (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no it was really cool just to see you know people who listen to the show out and that it was um yeah having a positive effect on so just uh, letting you all know lawson will be at food food pharmacy signing autographs this afternoon (laughs) (laughs) that's right i've I've got you know i've got my sharpie and the the table set up so you guys can come around or you can just come around and i'll make you food like that's that's the other thing. Come and come and experience some amazing plant-based food. Um, come along to the food pharmacy. But yeah, I just wanted to mention. I thought it was so cool, and I was I was having a great time. And I was no, food a pharmacy great is chat. just is just sensational. You all need to head over there and mm. check it out. I haven't actually been there yet, but we're going to be talking to Camilla on Friday. Oh, awesome! About food awesome. pharmacy because um, yeah, she's she's in charge of that at the moment. So yeah. And I'm heading there after radio finishes. So, hey, in some... No- okay, Lyle, this is this is great news. Are you ready? Yes. TikTok is saving lives. Right. Lyle is like okay, so immediately what's the, well, right, skeptical. Yeah, so what's the, what's the balance here? How many lives do they take versus how many they say? Well, okay. Well, this story is about one particular person. Right. But this is the, this is actually an epic story. Okay. This is like a really cool story. So, basically, um, a missing girl who had been kidnapped 
um, by an older gentleman, like a sixty-one-year-old, an, an dude, ungentleman, and yeah, like a like a terrible person. Yes, um, had kidnapped this sixteen-year-old girl, um, and she's like riding around in the car with him and like trapped. Like this is like the worst possible situation. Yes, she's been missing for a day. Yes, and somehow I believe she got a hold of this guy's phone. Right, who had he had like turned, you know, like. She couldn't call anyone and he was like watching her intensely, but um, for some reason he lets her download TikTok and sign in because I think, I don't think he really knows what it is. And so she's on TikTok and she makes a TikTok of her holding up the um, domestic abuse symbol, which is essentially like people, you have like an open hand, you know, towards the camera and you close your thumb in and then you make a fist when you do like that symbol. It's like a signal for that you're experiencing domestic abuse and you can't talk about it. I didn't even know this symbol. Yeah, neither did I. This is an important symbol. We need to to advertise this one. This is an important symbol. Really? Anyways, she did that on a TikTok. Yes. And people saw that and and she also like got a glimpse of the guy in the um in the TikTok as well and they were like, "Oh man, this looks she looks really distressed and this looks really serious." And so then they call the police um and they identify the gu- the then the police identifies the guy who's known to them and tracks them down and this like 16-year-old girl who's been kidnapped is saved. That is an epic story. This is incredible. Like, and this is a really good thing to have a uh, a, a, a sign symbol, like a hand sign symbol mm. for domestic abuse, because I wonder how often people are in domestic abuse situations where they can't scream out, they can't yell because they will endanger their lives if they do so. They can't mm. talk about it, but you know they can do hand signals. Mm. And it was like a really serious situation for her as well. Like, it's really lucky that this took place because so this is like the sign language word for domestic abuse. Yes. Yeah. But she had wow. been picked up in North Carolina where she's from. And by the time that, that TikTok got published and they found her, like, she was in Kentucky. Like, Yeah, that's a long way. They, this guy had driven out of state to kidnap a girl and take her to wherever. Like, it was super messed up situation. But, yeah, TikTok coming through and saving the day. And the message, the other message there, of course, is that um, if anybody's going to change your location in a crime – do not ever allow that to happen. That is the point at which you fight to the death. Mm, 100%. Because it's never going to improve when they take you to another location. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Anyways, what's going on in serious news? Okay, so in Illinois, they have very enlightened legislation. Uh, this legislation has been around since 1998, and I tend to think that if we'd had legislation like this in Australia, it would have saved our country so much conflict. It would have saved so many you know, churches and groups and communities and families um, a tremendous amount of conflict. And the legislation simply goes like this. Um, it's called the Illinois Healthcare Right and Conscience Act uh, 1998. And the Act requires the state to respect and protect the right of conscience of all persons who refuse to obtain, receive, or accept particular health care services and medical care. Mm. It also bars all forms of discrimination, disqualification, coercion, disability, or imposition of liability on such persons or entities by reason of their refusing to act contrary to their conscience or conscientious convictions by obtaining such medical care. And so, you know, you read, you read legislation like that and it would take the sting out of pretty much everything that has been happening in Australia because pe- when people feel free to make 
decisions about their own bodies and about and, and in accordance to their conscience, they are much less likely to protest and get upset and to mm-hmm. start, you know, all kinds of issues that we have had here in Australia. Um, and so, yeah, great piece of legislation there. And of course, you know, in the COVID crisis, this has been applied to uh, people who have conscientious objections to the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And, and the simple reality is, if you if you choose to get the vaccine, you have my total one hundred percent support. I, I will absolutely one hundred percent. If you choose not to, you have my total one hundred percent support. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. And that's the attitude that we need to take because people have their individual conscience and they're mm. individually answerable to God for what they do with their bodies. And when you, when I talk to people who have had the vaccine, they did that because they believed it was what was best for their bodies and the best way to glorify God in their health. Mm. When I t- talk to people who choose not to, they give me exactly the same reason, that it was their way of doing what was best for their body and glorifying God and doing what was best for their neighbour. Uh, etc., in providing for their health. And mm. every man needs to be convinced in his own mind. Well, the Illinois governor has just struck down this with another piece of legislation called the Senate Bill 1169, which states um, that the Healthcare Right of Conscience Act no longer applies to vax mandates. Oh, okay. So it applies to everything else except vax wow. mandates. Wow. Yeah, and this is one of the <laughs> this is one of the challenges that you have with a piece of legislation. A piece of legislation can be great legislation, but the same body that passes that legislation can also rescind it. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between uh, this and, say, the United States Constitution, uh, which cannot be changed by uh, you know the the um, which cannot be changed by the government can only be changed by the people. And with your constitution, rather than legislating rights, it recognises rights that are inalienable, that Mm. every person has. Mm. Anyway, it was interesting because, of course, the democratic state, democratic governor, and the the whole vax issue has kind of divided itself in the... In the U.S., along political lines, mm. very, very much so, but six Democrat senators opposed it, and seven Democrats in the lower house opposed uh, this piece of legislation going through. They did what we would call in Australia crossing the floor. Mm-hmm. So it went through; it was passed, but not without some people who seriously recognised that there was, yeah, some just that is so wild. Okay. Bad implications to religious liberty involved in this piece of Wait, legislation. Wait, so so like the the point that the legislation makes is that like yeah yes know, we have this piece of legislation and we're now going to make an exception for vaccines. Yeah. Okay. But applies to everything else except for vaccines. Yeah, but I'm just thinking like what is everything else like? What are they saying? Okay, you're allowed to abortions, uh, blood transfusions, I don't know, whatever it wants. You're allowed to make a choice. Choose not to have chemotherapy if you don't want to have chemotherapy, that kind of stuff. Doesn't legislation already exist like that? Like, Well, interestingly, it does. Bodily autonomy? In Australia, under our constitution, we do have bodily autonomy where you cannot be forced. That does Mm. not mean that you cannot be coerced. Yeah, okay. So they can put as much pressure on you as they want, but they can't actually... Um, knock you out and give you that particular. You know they they, they <laughs> yeah, can't yeah. they can't inject you with a, a sedative, uh, and then you know imprison you, inject you with a sedative, and then inject you with the vaccine mm. against your will. They they can't do they that. They can't do that. Yeah, they, they can put as any other kind of pressure on that they want. Mm. That is, yeah, that is very strange. It is. <laughs> it is. Anyway, that's uh, that's Australian law. That's the situation in Australia. Heading over to the UK, they've just had a uh, a national day of prayer. 
amongst oh, Christians wow. for persecuted Christians. Mm. This was actually an international thing. Apparently once a year there's an international day of prayer. It was last Sunday for persecuted Christians, mm. and we missed it. So we'll have to talk to uh, Etienne McClintock about that. Uh, but in the UK they focused on four different countries, praying for four different countries. And it's worthwhile us taking a moment to remember these four countries, Nigeria, India, Eritrea, and mm. Afghanistan. So in Afghanistan you've got a number of factors that are coming together. While the Taliban has been horrific against Christians in that country since they took power, they've been nothing like as horrific as ISIS-K. Mm. And so, you know, they're dealing with they're dealing with ISIS-K going from house to house and abducting and disappearing Christians as much as they can. But combine that with economic collapse, mm. and of course you get a religious minority like Christians and they're going to be under extra pressure. Um, that has created food shortages. Uh, the country is now facing the prospect of famine because of mm. the economic collapse, and of course that's going to affect minorities. And on top of that, you've got the winter coming on in which you can't grow food, and so they're in dire straits right there. Uh, what is interesting is that the church that exists is actually very strong. Wow. And it's growing in the toughest circumstances. And it's really been resourced by modern media technology um, in a major way. And one of the great blessings is, has been for the church in Afghanistan, has been COVID. Mm. Because COVID has forced Christians around the world to embrace media as a way of doing church. And that has enabled... Um, a tremendous amount of expertise and resources to be able to be directed to Afghanistan that simply did not exist and would not have existed without COVID. Wow. So COVID has been great for the church in Afghanistan. And, of course, you know, you're dealing with a church there that is very pure mm. because when it's going to cost you your life to be a Christian, you don't have Laodiceans. Mm. You don't have Laodiceans in Afghanistan. Uh, India, of course, is dash dealing with nationalism um, and extremism where Christians and Muslims are being persecuted. And what's been happening in India as a result of this is a purifying process from the mass converts of the 1990s. In the 1990s and the early 2000s, it was very popular for evangelists to go to India because they could attract very large crowds and get mass baptisms for very very little expense mm. and the most and the easiest way to get those mass baptisms and then go back to you know America wherever and promote their ministry and what great things their ministry was doing how many baptisms they had was give everybody a dollar or two to get baptized yeah, because wow. nobody in India you know in a poverty stricken country like that was going to say no and well the persecution has kind of cleaned out a lot of that dross mm. uh, Nigeria of course which has you know uh, three of the world's wealthiest they've They've got th their pastors are worth three hundred and ten million dollars. Yeah, just three of their pastors. Yeah, uh, but they can't do anything to stop um, Christians being kidnapped, forced into Islamic marriages, churches being burned, members being abducted for ransom, and Christians being killed left, right, and centre. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Doing us on the phone, as he always does on a Wednesday, is David Helps. David, welcome to the show. Morning, gentlemen. Good to be back with you. David, we want to talk about children in particular this morning and the effects that COVID has had on children. There's going to be some children, of course, as we come out of lockdowns and as restrictions start to ease, that, you know, younger children that are sort of going to be learning new things and new ways of living. 
but um, we particularly want to talk about how do children react to the pandemic and how should we communicate to them about what is happening. There's certainly been a lot of fear in our world, and it's interesting to listen to stories of parents who have toddlers that have you know, grown up in a period where they've really only ever known the pandemic. I was, I was listening to somebody the other day and, you know, their toddler was like, oh, let's go to the park and automatically just grabs a couple of masks, one for her and one for her, her mum. You know, these were kinds of things that children of previous generations never did. And yet you've got some generations now of toddlers who've known nothing else. All right, so big, a bunch of bunch of big questions here, David. First of all, how do children react to the pandemic? Well, you know, as as, as parents react to the pandemic, so does does kids, and uh, as we see uh, a major new pandemic arising in the uh, adult population. Uh, we so often neglect to see the, a new pandemic, mental health pandemic happening uh, with the kids. Um, it is vital to, to remember that children, depending on their age, depending on the social support, uh, depending on the anchor points that they have in their life, will in actual fact uh, react differently. But predominantly, you will find that your preschoolers uh, might even start to regress back to uh, their old behaviours that they have unlearned, some sucking, wetting the bed. Um, they might have problems with eating, sleeping, um, might be extremely clingy. We uh, see some of those behaviours also in school age children. Uh, they go into a state of uh, regress where they actually become more withdrawn, uh, especially when there's a lockdown, they miss that connection. And uh, teens uh, so often will not only uh, go into a more depressed state, but they could actually even start to do uh, self-harm behaviours. And this is where it is major risky where parents need to be vigilant. Now, a parent that is really active and involved with their child's life um, has a far greater chance to minimise this negative impact. In other words, they recognise the, the signs and act upon it, give that child assurance. Now, it, it is very important for us also uh, the language that we use with those kids, for instance, with our preschool kids, we actually need to uh, minimise their exposure. Uh, even the, your school age, uh, minimise the exposure to um, the news media in terms of, of the pandemic. Or only allow them to watch it when you actually sit down with them and uh, that you can interpret what, what they are hearing and you can actually monitor what um, they're observing. My, excuse me, my, my adult, adult uh, or my oldest granddaughter uh, at school, when in actual fact uh, they were banned, she informed me that they were banned at school to talk at all about COVID. Now, uh, the moment you do that, you actually create a further anxiousness uh, within that child. And uh, it is far better for parents actually to be uh, age-appropriate, talk to their kids and allow those kids to talk back and monitor their emotion. David, um, 
has the has the pandemic actually created? I mean, we, the, these are certainly the negatives, and 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 one of the things that I've, I've I, I I think that you know you've really highlighted there, of course, is um, you know exposure to media and so forth, because there is just so much fear that is being driven through the media. It's all just you know. And, and and that of course is driven by ratings because that's what gives them ratings and we understand that we understand how media works, um, but on the other on the flip side, you know you've got parents working from home, you've got children studying from home. Has that created a situation where there is more parent child interaction than when, than than we've had before that has actually forced us to have and has that been a good thing or has it added extra pressures in the family? Well, it's interesting that while we talk about the negative, and I just want to stay on the negative just for a few seconds longer, um, I mentioned that a new pandemic has arisen. I was uh, in a committee with uh, thought leaders in the community, with councils and uh, spiritual leaders of different faith groups. And um, the report came in that, while we are in a major pandemic where people are losing their jobs, so uh, you know poverty is impacting families and so forth, we also see a massive spike in mental health issues that has spiked another pandemic, and that is family violence. So on the one hand, you see families and those kids exposed to a whole array of not just one pandemic, but multiple others. So in that scenario, a child would in actual fact be far worse off. But families that are linked to um, their children, families that where um, either a single parent or a couple is very supportive of their children and is willing to switch off their TV screen. In other words, they will monitor the news but not have that constantly on. And in aspect, spend the time more in connecting with their children, maintaining a routine. In other words, maintaining the... Uh, the time that the child would have their meals, the time that the child would get up in the morning, time that the child would... Routine is vital for for, for children to give them a sense of security. Um, families that do that can, in actual fact, inspire their children to use this opportunity to look away from themselves and start to look at how they can actually become a blessing to other people. So there's maybe an old lady or old gentleman living down the street from them that has a difficulty to go to the shop to buy essential uh, stuff. And the parent actually divert the focus of their child away from their own impact through the pandemic to rather become a blessing to other people around. Well, in actual fact, research proves it, uh, that it will actually have a far greater not just physical growth, but also a mental growth for that child. David, I wonder whether you can comment on this one. I mean, we live in a very large country, Australia, which has a lot of outback. And in the past, you know, we used to have a thing called, you know, school of the air. Of course, that's all been replaced by internet these days. Uh, But we had a lot of children in Australia who grew up in the outback in very remote locations and had very little social interaction, but actually grew up to be very responsible um, adults and very successful adults, that isolation did not seem to damage them in the way that isolation is damaging children doing, during COVID lockdown. What's, what's the difference here and what's going on? 
that I assume that the children in the outback um, are children very much involved still in the family in on a property. They've got space around them. They go out in nature. They they do not just sit in front of an Xbox as we spoke about the other day, but they, are, in other words, using media to entertain them. Uh, which sadly, so many families are using to entertain their kids during the lockdowns uh, at, at the moment. But uh, and, and especially, you know, restricting them from going out. Children that actually has a life outside the home in, in the sense of responsibility, caring for animals, working in the garden or in the field. And doing those kind of stuff, still connecting with kids, uh, even if it is purely via uh, phone or internet, has a far better outcome than kids that are locked up even in a beautiful mansion in the middle of Sydney, for instance, uh, but they're not really allowed to go out. Parents are busy with their lives, and they have the TV to be their childminder. That is very destructive to your child. Mm. One of the greatest gifts that a parent can give a child, and many a time when I talk about uh, parenting responsibilities to, uh, to parents, I say to them that their, ch- their child actually eats and needs about 20 minutes a day where the parent will do exactly what that child would love them to do with them. So if a little girl wants their daddy to play doll with them, that the father will sit there in the corner in the kid's room and play doll with them. Or if a little boy wants his mother to to sit down in the mud and play cars in in the sand or in the mud, that the mother will go there. And um, I recall one mother attending one of my programs. She burst out crying. I said, what's wrong? What did I say wrong now? She said, I've got five boys. I can just imagine how you know my time is going to be absorbed with that. But what I'm referring to is not a divided time. In other words, a parent that has the one eye on their phone, on Facebook, on the screen, is not really attentive to what the child is wanting them to do. Mm. Uh, Sorry. You go ahead. ahead. No, you go, you go. We we, we need to realize, Lyle, that uh, a question that I would like to pose here is, are our children actually being traumatized through COVID? It's very interesting that the definition that is provided for us in the DSM-5, the Psychiatric Bible, is that the trauma events are typical situations that are out of our control, beyond our usual experience, and cause us to feel as though our lives or the lives of others may be in danger. Is that descriptive of what our children are going through right now? That's very descriptive of exactly what we're going through. And it sort of leads me to another question. And you can choose whether you want to answer this one or not because it is a much more sensitive question. But, and it comes from an anecdotal story. But, um, two people that I study with the Bible, Bible with, they both have daughters. Both those daughters are in year six in school. Um, one of them was sharing with me that, um, their daughter is one of only three girls in the year six class that does not identify as something other than straight. And so then I asked the other person is like, oh no, the entire class. There's there's no one there's no one there's no girl in her class that identifies as being straight. 
is this is this a social pandemic that is being affected by COVID? Is 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 the COVID the lockdown? You because you talk about you know the um, the, the mental health issues that this is causing, and on this kind of a level, we can't deny that you know there's some mental health issues that are happening here. Has COVID exacerbated this, or is this being driven by other external forces from somewhere? Well, um, it is a highly politicised question that you're asking me today. Uh, My personal conviction, my personal belief, as well as the little bit of research that I've done on this issue and the work that I've done is that this is a political-driven thing that is actually... um, our children at school is imposed is while you and I cannot anymore talk about a biblical design that God has designed us with and we can in actual fact be imprisoned when we speak about that design. What we see though is that the other side politically is driven and that our children are immersed into that which further disrupts their sense of what is what is normal and what is God's design. The, the, the sad thing that I want to just mention is that whenever we go outside of God's design, there is a psychological reaction to that. And research shows that people that actually are struggling with this, even when they, um, uh, with sexual dysphoria, when they do have, for instance, ovulation to change themselves into another sex, uh, within a few years actually has a dissatisfaction with what they've now redesigned themselves to be because they've never brought happiness. Mm. True happiness, true content is an actual fact to live within God's design. David, thank you so much for joining us again here on Faith FM. As always, we appreciate your biblical, Christ-centered insights into emotional health. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.